0: fangoria's latest movie porno is available on demand now when five teen employees at the local movie theater in a small christian town discover a mysterious old film hidden in its basement they unleash an alluring succubus who gives them a sex education written in blood see the movie some moms are calling not family friendly at all porno is available on demand everywhere and we are very excited to welcome the boulet brothers to the fangoria podcast network Join horror hosts, producers, writers, and drag icons for their new show, The Boulay Brothers' Creatures of the Night, on the Fangoria Podcast Network. On each episode, The Boulay Brothers welcome listeners to join them as they discuss the latest projects they're working on, share behind-the-scenes details from their hit show, The Boulay Brothers' Dracula, streaming now on Netflix, and more. Subscribe now and listen everywhere you get your audio content. Hello and welcome back to the Attack of the Queer Wolf Podcast. I'm Brennan. I'm Renee.
1: Hi. And
0: yeah, you know, it is what it is. Michael is out um, this week for a non-COVID-related emergency situation. Um, So don't you worry, he will be back uh, next time. But in the meantime, we do have a very special guest. He is Fangoria's own... Director of Porno, Kayola Rossella. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey. Um, hey. Before we before we jump into tea time, do you want to tell us a little bit about Porno when it's coming out, how we can find it, a little bit about what it's about? Sure, absolutely. Um,
2: it's a horror comedy uh, about um, some. Uh, Very conservative uh, kids who work in a movie theater and one night they find a dusty old film print they decide to watch. They think it's pornography, but it turns out to be um, a satanic film that summons a succubus that terrorizes them (laughs) over the course of one night. (laughs) Um, The film is playing uh, in... uh, virtual theaters as we're calling it these days um Mm -hmm. and and it's had a a pretty wide release and what that means is that you can um go to the Fangoria page and uh and stream the film and uh select a theater of your choice maybe like a local uh independent theater um and part of uh the ticket price goes to that theater so it supports theaters um cool and so, yeah, it's kind of like our way of uh, having our theatrical uh, run, um, you know, which we were set to do right before this all went down. So um, we're kind of excited to be able to partner with a bunch of theaters um, across the yeah, country, and, really. And it'll be really easy to watch it. So you have no excuse not to. absolutely (laughs) absolutely um so that's happening now and then um it comes out on vod so like itunes amazon um uh fandango now which is a thing i'm learning about um on may 8th perfect
0: i'm going to share all that information in the show notes and we are going to talk about porno a little bit more in a moment but first let's dive into tea time uh what have we been watching lately uh nay how about we start with you
1: uh, so, I revisited this film that I have not seen since I was a kid. Um, it's called A Thief in the Night or A Thief in the Night? A Thief in the Night? I can't remember which one. Have you seen that by any chance?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Oh my God. It's this movie made in the, in the 70s by these evangelicals who. Um, I'm it's like actually has four parts. <laughs> the first one is A Thief in the Night, and uh, it's basically about the apocalypse or rather like after the rapture happens and um jesus christ takes all the christians to heaven it's like the original left behind series okay <laughs> you remember those um but when i was young and watching them we were shown them to scare us because uh they were presented to us as like prophecy you know like this is what's gonna happen um, at any moment, at any time. And I was just living for rewatching it as an older person who knows better. And um, they're actually so good, though. <laughs> it's, they're so excellent. Like, I feel like they are, I mean, of course, absurd, but definitely will keep your attention. I don't know if it's just my nostalgia for them because when we used to get to watch a movie instead of like listening to a preacher, I'd be like, hell yeah, it didn't really matter what the movie was. Um, So maybe I just love them for all the wrong reasons, which are all the right reasons really. Um, So I watched that and it was amazing, but I'm also rewatching the walking dead. So very into like apocalyptic things right now, which makes sense. Um, And I realized I definitely want Michonne to cut my head off, just like Brienne of Tarth. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, duh, of course! Please, sword me." Uh, there's there's so, one yeah. in every show. Yeah, it's been some good. You know, have plenty of time to watch stuff. It's been some good stuff.
2: That's good. <laughs> when you can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you said like. Are these, is the Thief in the Night like super well made? Is it like super suspenseful or is it like more dramatic or what's the? It's it's dramatic. Um, Yeah.
1: As far as being well made, I don't know. I forget what year it was, but especially the further along in the series you get by the fourth one, it's just batshit. You're like, what is going on? (laughs) Like the way that they're depicting um you know the tribulation period on earth with like all the plagues that happen like it's just it gets really crazy um
2: (laughs) but it is suspenseful
1: no there was not (laughs) no they didn't that wasn't even a thing yet so i don't know if you know much about the book of revelation but it gets pretty wild (laughs) so (laughs) watching them depict that is hysterical um And I think also now that I look back and watch it, it's even more hysterical because you're supposed to believe this will happen. And, uh, yeah, it is suspenseful, though. I think if you like you don't know the story, you're like, oh, I actually had no idea about the second coming of Christ and the chaos that ensues afterwards. (laughs) I think you're like, what the hell? (laughs) But
0: it looks fascinating.
1: It really, I really think you would enjoy it, Brennan.
0: (laughs) Oh, look, there's nothing I love more than evangelical Christian kitsch. Yes, Um, I know. (laughs) And it looks like I'm looking on the Wikipedia, it looks like it came out in '72. So, yeah, pre CGI. It's got a a runtime of a cool 69 minutes. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, my ideal movie. Yeah. Um, but they, else they
1: really get okay. the language spot on like in terms of how evangelicals communicate this information and just like and that's something we can talk about later too when we talk about porno just like the language that christians use to uh fear monger and whatnot
0: um mm-hmm. so
1: yeah check it out
0: it's amazing um, yeah, that that dovetails very nicely with our conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I imagine we're gonna have a lot to root around in there. <laughs> um, but Kayola, have you been watching anything you want to, you know, share with the class?
2: Yeah, I um I watched the season finale of uh, Westworld. I don't know if you guys watched that show. Um, it's a it's a kind of thing where I you know before uh, all this went down, I um, would go over to my sister's house and we would watch we started watching succession like on every Sunday and then she would cook dinner um, with her husband and, you know, that ended and then we started watching uh, West world. Um, and, you know, I kind of had fallen behind on this season. Um, it, it didn't start very strong for me. And then, um, you know, at her, uh, at her uh, behest, I, I, I kind of like caught up very quickly um, and, and, it kind of like goes to some amazing places. Um, and then I was kind of let down again by the the season finale. I think this happens often with, um, big TV shows where the episode before the finale is the kind of like one where they blow it out. And then the finale is the, is like the come down and then they set up for the next season. And, And that, this was very much that. So it kind of bummed me out a little bit. Um, but I still, you know, overall really, uh, Enjoyed this season. Uh, And then right after that, because I was bummed out, I was like, oh, I need some sort of, like, comfort thing. So then I just watched all of High Maintenance, like, nonstop, like, from the first episode (laughs) to the last episode, which I found, like, um, just, it's, like, an insanely comforting thing. Like, I just moved here from, well, not just, like, at the beginning of 2019, I moved to L.A. from New York, and so... I miss New York a lot and in, in watching that show and watching people just kind of like be out and the kind of people that, um, the kind of characters they have on that show. And, you know, it's a kind of like really like broad swath of, um, different people and different kinds of stories that, that they do in high maintenance. And it's like super, super comforting to watch. It's a very kind of like great, kind of like very humanist show. So those are the two things that I, that I've been watching.
1: Nice. That sounds great.
2: Um,
0: I've actually been watching a lot of TV, also, which I normally don't really do, but you know, got time. Um, season two of what we do in the shadows just started up
2: on FX slash Hulu. Um, have you seen that show at all? I've seen the first season. I I super loved it, and um, I'm yeah, I'm super excited to watch the next season. Oh yeah, I can I can report that it is still a
0: blast. Like <laughs> season one, I just rocketed through. Like I found it yeah. to be such a delectable like comedy gem. I actually, I liked it way more than the movie. And I don't know how much of a minority opinion that is, but I agree, just,
2: honestly. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, just cause I, I love the like stylings of Taika Waititi, but that particular movie I liked, but didn't love in this show. I right. love it. Just so really great. refines. It refines what that movie was doing with a script. That's not, 70 percent improv right um very tight it's very funny this season is excellent episode two which is called ghosts is hilarious it's about um all the vampires discover that when they died to become a vampire their souls did become ghosts so they kind of meet themselves at a previous point in their life
2: oh my god um
0: it's it's great it's really really good and there's some cool uh cameos on this season already too
2: can I ask you a question? Does yeah. the uh, does the energy vampire uh, guy have a big role in, in this season? Yeah, he's still here. He hasn't gotten like a
0: focus episode yet, as far as mm-hmm. I've seen, because he got like one big episode on season one, if I recall, right. with Vanessa Bayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so funny. Oh, that's such a good show. Um, but yeah, also the the female lead vampire, who's um played by. I'm not going to pronounce this properly, but it's, I believe Natasha Dimitriou. Um, yeah. she continues to be my favorite thing about the show. She just, she's amazing. Is just lacerating her dialogue. It's so great. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, I've been, I've been watching the new season of insecure. Um, have either of you been watching that at all? Nope. I'm not. All right. Well, um, I love insecure and this season. Look, it's I've only I'm only like what 3 episodes in now, but at least in terms of the comedy writing, it is the like tightest, like snappiest season that they've had, and they've had a lot of really good seasons. Um, but this this season they're really kind of hitting those buttons, like on the end of scenes when they're just transitioning away into something else. Oh, it just really it gets me in the funny bone. They're just really kind of knocking it out of the park. <laughs> The um funny bone. i'm sorry how old are you <laughs>
1: like, i am 75
0: <laughs> i mean truly look i've been you know i've come unstuck in time <laughs> um it's a it's a thing um also i want i did watch the finale of Shit's creek which i did like but you know oh, i haven't watched that
1: yet i can't watch it yet i don't want it to be over no, that's fair because the
0: show's so good. Um, so good. I, I mean, obviously, I won't talk about spoilers or anything. Not you know, it's a sitcom. There's not really a lot of spoilers, but I won't say. Don't anything. they get married? Um, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I think um, I
1: saw it memed like that. They do. Yeah. Get married, So that's yeah, out although, there. okay.
0: I actually, I have something. Else. So you both do watch the show. You're just yes. not caught up, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm. I'm. I've watched a couple episodes this season, but I haven't watched
0: the whole season yet. Okay, Um, so I want to put something on the table that I put on Twitter and did not garner great reactions from, Um, Uh but I said, well, I I compared um, the couple of David, Rose, and Patrick, no last name, um, I don't know his last name, um, to (laughs) Miss Piggy and Kermit in that they are a (laughs) beloved TV couple that fundamentally does not belong together. Yes. Um, Wow. I just... Look, wow. I relate to Patrick so much because I also am a very bland white guy, <laughs> um, and I think David is horrible to him. I think he deserves so much better.
2: <laughs> he's into. So that. David is Miss Piggy? Is Miss Piggy in this scenario?
0: Oh yeah, he's a diva. He does <laughs> not listen.
1: That's deaf spot on as far as Miss Piggy. I, but I also I feel like Kermit and Patrick. They're just like subby bottoms like they like it like they, oh, they Kermit like for sure want their partner <laughs> to be a bitch you know like that's who they go for it's like you know there's consent and negotiation and they're like yeah please degrade me as part of a 24 7 dynamic like it's fine
0: you know and <laughs> and you're right that that's absolutely fair um i you know Obviously, characters have lives outside of the show that we see, but it's like, I did not see that negotiation going on. I just see, <laughs> like, David being very selfish and not listening to anything that Patrick needs and only applying his own, like, motivations towards anything that he does. And that's something that I personally would find very frustrating. So that's where I'm coming yeah. from.
1: Yeah, maybe it's, there's it's some codependency to- in there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about the Muppets if Miss Piggy were the main character and then Kermit came along like a couple seasons in, which is kind of how the dynamic oh, is built in, in Shits Creek. Um, oh. You know, we might feel a little bit differently about them because I don't know. You, you know, obviously he's like a total, a total mess and, and, and so crazy. But like you really do like love David, you know, on that yeah. show. Because he's a mess and because he's crazy and, you know, and a diva. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we would feel differently. Although, you know, I would, I would be interested to watch a, a a Muppet show that where Miss Piggy is the main character.
1: Hell yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, ABC <laughs> shouldn't have canceled their awesome, like, office sitcom with the Muppets. We maybe could have gotten something out of that. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. I love the Muppets so much. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically that's a really interesting point because we do get to spend a lot of time with David and get into his psychology and see how he ticks and how he works. And he's really funny. He's like a very funny character to watch. It's just like, I couldn't escape the kind of assessment of like how this would play out in reality. And I'd be like, "Mm, I don't think I'd be having a good time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. Anyway,
1: small town shit. Like your options are hella limited. (laughs) Oh You're like, yeah, and well, like, this is the other gay person. So, yeah,
0: and <laughs> like this is fine. a beautiful universe where homophobia is does not exist, but also yeah. gays don't necessarily just come around every two minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, very funny. I feel like I was not really sold on Patrick until he sang that song. Yes, yeah, same. Episode. Oh, and okay, I was yeah. just like, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> And the rings, <laughs> fuck my oh, yeah. life.
1: Not the, not all the rings. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so many rings. That's so I true. died.
1: That was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
0: like he does, you know, he does give like what he gets in a, to a certain degree. Like he does have that kind of acidic sarcasm to him that I do really enjoy. Right. Yeah. Um. So that that's nice. Um. Anything else or are we moving forward? I think that's it.
1: Oh, Michael right. did want me to say that okay. he and Brian watched Hellraiser and it was Brian's first time and he loved it. Uh, and then course. they watched Hellraiser 2 and didn't necessarily love it. <laughs> <laughs> um but i don't not brian his boyfriend but brian fuller i feel like he tells everyone to watch hellraiser too i feel like i've seen like three comments recently so i need to revisit it because i haven't watched it since we did our hellraiser episode it's probably been like over a year now so isn't that
2: wild that we've been doing this for that
1: long (laughs) yes for sure
2: how do you guys feel about the hellraiser like one two punch of the movie announcement and then the tv announcement
1: a lot to process
0: yeah (laughs) yeah i guess it's kind of like what they did with chucky too where they're kind of just splitting off into different avenues oh
2: yeah
0: um yeah that'll be interesting look i the hellraiser franchise is not one that i'm particularly caught up on i'll probably you know if this if this quarantine keeps going that's probably where i'm gonna end up but not yet
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't yeah i haven't really i've watched the first one you know but I, I haven't seen any
1: of the, the the multiple sequels. There are yeah, there are many more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it was during
0: that fun period where because they were owned by the same company that was pumping out the Children of the Corn sequels, just one after another. Wow! <gasps> and I know I don't remember exactly which movies in the respective franchises, but I think it's like part two of Children of the Corn and part three of Hellraiser, like were produced at the same time. And the writer of one and the director, like the writer director like switched places. So the director of one um, wrote the other and the writer of one directed the other. <laughs> okay. That's amazing.
2: Wow. Is um, Hellraiser the first fran- horror franchise to go to space from earth? Don't they have a space one? Interesting. They do,
0: but I don't remember when that one came out. I'm going to look that up. Um, but yes, you know, You know, this isn't the Googling podcast, so I'll report back when I (laughs) find that out. That was 96. I think the critters probably went to space first. Mm. I might be totally wrong also, though. So who knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the critters went first. Oh, my
2: God. (laughs) Trailblazers, Um, those critters. Oh, for sure.
0: The ghoulies went to college. The critters went to space. We really live in a beautiful world.
2: (laughs) The ghoulies went to college? Oh, yeah, that's Ghoulies 3, baby. Oh, man, I got to catch up on Ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> Are they doing, like, keg stands and stuff? I, all I remember is the first Ghoulies where they're just hanging out in oh. toilets. <laughs> okay, to be I honestly, I have not seen
0: Ghoulies 3 Ghoulies Go to College, um, but it is on, a like, an eight-film pack that I own that I think also has Chopping Mall, so it's probably very good. Oh,
2: hell yeah. If a ghoulie isn't wearing, like, one of those um, uh, John Belushi college t-shirts, I don't know. Like, what are you guys doing?
0: (laughs) Maybe I'll watch that before next week. No promise. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're all wearing, like, little graduation gowns and mortarboards. And they're standing, I believe, in front of a toilet on the the poster. Hell yeah. Okay, anyway... um, we are here to talk a little bit about this movie I've heard of called Porno that I hear <laughs> you like. Um, we're going to do it a little differently than we normally do on the show. Um, we're going to avoid, you know, too many spoilers necessarily because we do want people to actually watch it for themselves. Um, but, Nay, you watched it as well, correct?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: I was like, no, actually, I. <laughs> I don't
2: know. <laughs> All right, I'll see myself just, out, guys. I also have not watched it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So we have seen it. We'll try to kind of tiptoe around the spoiler parts, but we do want got, kind of want to get into it with you a little bit, Keola. Sure. But I guess let's start at the beginning of kind of like how did this project come to be? How did you hook up with Fangoria? Like how did this even exist into the world in the first place?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the. Uh, writers and, uh, the producers are people that I went to film school with. Um, I actually lived with the two writers, um, right before we graduated from film school. Um, and after, after we all graduated, they moved out to LA. I'm from Southern California. So I was kind of like not in any hurry to come back to Southern California. Um, (laughs) so I was kind of, uh, hanging around New York and, and, uh, you know, writing what I thought would be uh, my first feature and um, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, And, you know, I had been doing a lot of freelance work, uh, you know, kind of stacking up money so I could take a bunch of time off and finish a script I'd been working on. And right as I was finishing this stuff, I got a call from uh, Matt and Lawrence and Chris, uh, the two writers and the producer. And they were like, do you want to make a horror film? And I was like, yes, what's the, what's, <laughs> yes, obviously what's the movie. And they were like, we don't have a movie. Um, but someone is willing to give us a small amount of money to make a horror film. Do you want to direct it? And I was like, um, yeah, is this real? And they're like, it's real if we make it real. And I was like, um, okay. okay. <laughs> and so I bought a, I like basically hung up the phone and bought a plane ticket and flew out, um, to LA. And, Um, we spent a week in, uh, Airbnb kind of like coming up with the idea, which is based off of, uh, you know, uh, a concept that they had before they are a writing team. And so they have like a a whole bank of ideas. We picked this one about a haunted porno (laughs) theater. Uh, we spent a week, uh, outlining it and then they went off and wrote the first draft in four days. Um, and so it was kind of like July, uh, to August, Um, and then we shot the film in October and November. So it was kind of like a very short timeline in order to like, it was, I think it was like a, a kind of race to, you know, um, get the film made before the, the money disappeared or the the threat of that, that this person would come to their senses and, and not give us money (laughs) to make this very weird movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of, uh, how it all came about. Um and then we, you know, were lucky enough to premiere uh South by Southwest uh at the beginning of 2019, and then um you know we got interest from from people uh after our premiere. And that's kind of how we 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 hooked up with the Fangoria.
0: That sounds awesome. And it's 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 really cool that you were you know kind of involved in the development process so early of the script, even. Like I don't know how common that is necessarily.
2: Yeah, um, I mean it was a kind of like all hands on deck kind of thing because we (laughs) hadn't we were kind of like you know scrambling to put this thing together so um so yeah yeah no i mean you know that's true collaboration yeah
0: um so did you have a relationship with the horror genre before now or was it kind of like let's have fun let's make a kooky horror movie
2: (laughs) no i mean i think you know uh really matt lawrence um were you know had sold some horror scripts, and they, you know, I think Matt, in particular, of the three of us, is the one who's most kind of like steeped in horror, and you know, it's his like favorite genre, and you know, knows has like an encyclopedic knowledge of horror films, and it's really kind of uh, where he comes from. Um, <laughs> I have a kind of checkered relationship to horror films, which is that I was uh, very afraid of horror films through most of my young childhood. We were talking about the Ghoulies. Like I was tormented uh, by this one video store we would go to because they had a Ghoulies poster next to the uh, next to the entrance of this place, and I would oh, no. I would always have to like turn away because I was like so freaked out by it. <laughs> um, this is how much I was afraid of horror films. Like I I I, uh, I remember going, you know, I would go with to the grocery store with my mom, and then immediately like peel off and go to like the magazine aisle and kind of just like leaf through the magazines, and I would. Pick up a magazine and and block the Fangoria <laughs> magazine covers because I was like, <laughs> did not want to see, um, you know, uh, whatever they had uh, there. I was like, you know, deathly afraid of the horror aisle um, as a kid, uh, and so that's kind of my early relationship to horror. And yet, at the same time, uh, I would watch the movie The Lost Boys. Um, yes. I would say, I don't know, maybe once a week, maybe <laughs> once or twice a week with my sisters. I I have three sisters, and they were uh, obsessed with uh, all of the boys in that uh, that movie. And so it was sure. a, just, but I was not uh, a thing that I I really considered a horror film at the time. It was more kind of like, oh, this is like a more grown up version of the Goonies. Um, there's a, a, a a pretty graphic uh killing scene in The Lost Boys that I would leave the room for, I do remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I was afraid. Um and yeah, so that's that's was kind of my relationship to horror for a, a long time. Um, you know, basically until I uh until I watched Evil Dead. Um and that yes. kind of like opened things up for me. Evil Dead in American Werewolf in London were kind of like the movies that uh I was like, "Oh, this is a I, I you know, I could because they were horror comedies. Um I felt like I found a way in and a kind of like different understanding of of horror films, and then I saw that like a lot of horror films contained comedy whether or not they were like, you know, um uh frontlining that or not. Um and so, yeah, it kind of like opened up the whole genre to me.
0: That's beautiful, and it it really does come around full circle that you ended up making a horror
2: comedy too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it, you know, it became something I, I super loved and, you know, um, uh, you know, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, which I think owes a lot to, um, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, and, you know, all that, that kind of stuff really kind of like, you know, became my thing. And so, you know, when they proposed that we make a, a horror film, I was like, yeah, totally. Like, I, you know, I, I love horror films. Um, I haven't seen every Hellraiser movie, but, you know, I, I totally, get what's cool about Hellraiser and I understand why why people, you know, would obsessively watch those movies. Um but yeah, I was totally totally on board and when we hit upon this idea of this haunted porno uh thing, I I don't think that we were saying that it was a horror comedy, but when we started kind of like spitballing what the movie would be, it just because of the scenario and the <laughs> <laughs> and everything is so ridiculous it it just became uh, a horror <laughs> comedy <laughs> uh yeah yes yeah, sorry um
0: i was looking through my notes but um what i have a very important question to me that sure. i need to be answered from my context for the movie sure. um what was the decision process like to set this movie in the 90s um yeah
2: i no go ahead
0: Oh yeah, no, just because you know you really hit hard on the like a League of Their Own is out, and Encino Man, and oh, it, it's, it's
2: it's
0: <sighs> such a place and time, and you it really evokes that, and I found it really interesting, but I kind of want to know where that came from.
2: Well, it's kind of like um, you know that that time in the '90s. I was born in uh, the early '80s. I was born in 1980, um, and so I it was a really the the time where I was like I was going to theaters a lot even as a young kid, but I, it was really the time where you were just, that was kind of like the social thing that you did when you were like, when you were a kid was like, go to the movie theaters. Absolutely. You know, especially because I come from a very small town and there isn't a lot to do. And so, you know, going to the theater with your friends and you know um, hanging out in the video store and it's like what you did on the weekends. And, and so that's kind of, um, you know, especially that era holds a very special place. Um, but also more practically, uh, the film is about kids who watch a satanic film. They think it's pornography and (laughs) the kind of like conception of what pornography is has a lot to do, I think, with, uh, access to pornography and, you know, definitely when I was a kid, there wasn't, uh, the internet, where there was, where it was so readily available. Like if you, if you found any sort of pornography, it was like somebody's dad had it, or you found it in like the woods or something, or (laughs) somebody's like sketchy brother or something like that. That's kind of like you, how you like stumbled upon it. And then when you did, it was like this like crazy thing. And, uh, and so, um, you know, uh, I think we wanted to capture a little bit of that. And also like practically, I think, I don't know that you could, we well, we have an idea for a, a film that's set in present day, but like you know, the kind of like um, naive nature of the characters, I don't think that you can mm. you know do in the same way. No, that's totally fair. And like the way they interact, like
0: physically with the pornography, that's not really a thing that happens anymore. Like you can actually like right. touch it and look at the you know like hold the film up to the light and like there's like the, that kind of tactile sense to it, right? Um, yeah, actually, we we do digressions on this show, Kayola.
2: Sure. Um, and I was wondering
0: if you feel comfortable. I'd be mm-hmm. interested in hearing everybody's kind of like first experience discovering the world of pornography, and like if that changed their life at all. Like, what kind of experience that was?
2: <laughs> oh yeah!
0: Um, oh
1: yeah! Uh, I found a Playboy in my brother's dad's bathroom next to the like a cabinet next to the toilet. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I mean, I was dying for that shit. Like, I, ha- there was no <laughs> access. I-, I was barely allowed to watch anything, period, let alone with, like, something with tits showing. So, um, I found that Playboy. But for some reason, I told my mom, I mean, I think you're taught, like, as a young Christian that you have to confess everything to, like, really mm-hmm. be forgiven. So, I'm like, mom, I found a Playboy in um, Dick's bathroom. Yeah, his name was Dick. Um, in Dick's <laughs> bathroom. <laughs> And she was like, of course, he's disgusting. Like, this is her ex-husband she's talking about. She's like, he's fucking gross. Like, you know, of course he has that in the bathroom. But I didn't get in trouble for it because she was like, that's that's his and he's gross. So, like, of course he has that in the bathroom. Um, But other than that, it was just like watching Channel 99 for those, like, two seconds where maybe you could actually see... The Playboy channel. <laughs> the well, scrambled anyway, like, porn. Yeah, yes. the scrambled porn. That was definitely. Yes. My shit. Um, <laughs> I love scrambled porn. And then one magical fucking day, I was at my aunt's friend's house for like a family barbecue with her and her nasty old fucking husband had the playboy channel and boy let me tell you like i found every reason i could to be in the other room watching tv i like could not believe (laughs) that i could watch this unscrambled porn like it was amazing you're like i didn't know they made it this way and
2: that's truly the holy grail
1: Yes. Oh, I like. I was like, never in my life did I ever think I would be able to watch unscrambled porn. Like, where would I ever be able to find that? So, <laughs> I'll never forget that day. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, a succubus could have taken me right then and there. I just would have done yeah. whatever she wanted.
2: So, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs>
0: um, for me, oh God, I mean, cause. I did have the internet growing up. Um, I didn't like experience porn as a child, except for in like a couple pop-up ads that appeared. Remember those? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I remember I was with a, a friend of mine at her house. We were alone and I think we did. I don't know some dumb shit. We were like we typed in probably like porn.com or something. <laughs> um and something did come up from whatever we found and it was just the the header image was just like a naked dude like Burt Reynoldsing on a carpet and you could just see everything. Um <laughs> and we closed it down after about 10 seconds we were like nope, too much, too much. Um but I remember kind of I was very, you know, I was pretty young at the time and I didn't really understand much of anything um so this was actually the first time i'd ever seen an uncircumcised penis um and i was a little alarmed because i didn't fully understand what circumcision was at the time like i didn't know what a foreskin looked like look foreskin and i are friends at this point like i know now um (laughs) but i did not know i thought that circumcision i i I did not think that I was circumcised because I thought circumcision was cutting off the tip of the penis, like the, the mushroom cap part. Um, so I was like, Oh, this is something else. I don't know what's going on. Um,
2: so yeah, that, that's my, that's my little story. That's amazing. I had one that was similar to, uh, today's where I, uh, it was in my, my parents' bathroom. I was in the towel cabinet. I was kind of like rooting through there, and I found a Playboy. <laughs> yes. um, I think I was caught almost immediately. <laughs> um, and then I would—he's oh, been I was, in the
0: bathroom a long time you know,
2: <laughs> I, because I was a, a, a latchkey kid. I, you know, I I just returned to the <laughs> to the same bathroom cabinet, and it was still there. And I was like, "This is amazing." Um, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was kind of like my first experience. And then I remember. This is kind of. I, I remember going through my mom's nightstand and finding a Christmas card that I think was a some sort of joke Christmas card that just had a naked man inside of it, and I was oh, like, yep. "Whoa, whoa!" <laughs> um, and, and somehow it was kind of like even it was like even more shocking because I was it was just like you know I I had been watching a lot of uh, movies as a kid that I probably should not have been watching, and they featured you know semi-nude women you know, not, I wasn't watching a lot of those, but it was something that I was, you know, not unfamiliar with, but then seeing a a naked man, I was like, oh my God, it was just kind of like a little bit mind blowing to me. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was kind of it. Then, you know, obviously the, the, I would have sleepovers and, you would always kind of like flip to the scrambled porn channel and try and see if you could identify some sort of limb or some sort of, you know? so I do remember one time I was spending the night at my friend's house. We were trying to watch scrambled porn. His grandfather got up. It was uh, so clear in my mind. He got up, we turned it off and kind of just like laid very still cause we were like sleeping in the living room. And he walked by and he was wearing the droopiest pair of like tidy whities. They were not very whitey and they definitely weren't tidy. And, um, <laughs> His uh, old man his balls were just like hanging out of the side of him, and they were so long. It was so disturbing to me. Uh yeah. I think that may have been the last time I tried to watch scrambled porn actually. But uh yeah, that that that's that's kind of like my early experience.
1: That sounds like how most people walk around the house, especially once you get <laughs> old. I'm like, that's how my grandpa walked around the house. <laughs> <laughs> zero fucks whatsoever like i'm 80 it's, a, it's kind
2: of it's, yeah, it's kind of amazing
1: hell yeah hell yeah i love that your mom went to Spencer's and i <laughs> got a little novelty <laughs> card
2: no totally it, it, it i do remember like it was like in a like a greeting card envelope but there was nothing written on the envelope or in the card and i was just like "This yeah is this it, it wasn't like just for dearest months. susan yeah. no 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 it was just a naked man in a card. Like
1: this is for me, and I know what this card would say. Yeah, <laughs> that's hysterical. I wish I would find yeah. porn like in my mom's drawer. That would be amazing. I would. Ooh, I will yeah. roast her. Ooh, I will roast her. <laughs> ooh, that would be. So I, I don't
2: fun. think I've ever just. Dis- I've never discussed that. So you know, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> roasted well, mom. Thank you for your vulnerability. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, so you made a movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so did you have a specific, like, agenda in, that you wanted to kind of put in place in, in your approach to how you're discussing, like, pornography and sexual awakening and that kind of thing in the movie? Like, did you have a certain direction you wanted to go with it, like, starting off?
2: I mean, I think, you know, we the 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 basis for the idea comes from this article that Lawrence read about this study that was done in the seventies in a porno theater around the idea of attention. And what they did is they had someone dress as a ghoul and run around a porno theater while a movie was playing and see who, who noticed. Um, Yeah. And not a lot of people did notice (laughs) because they were fixated on the uh, pornography. So, um, you know, this idea for a haunted porno theater, um, was really kind of the starting point. And then, you know, it was kind of like kids visit a haunted porno theater. And when we were trying to conceive of who the characters would be, we thought about who would be most affected by something like this. Um, and I, you know, we hit pretty quickly on the idea that they were very, um, repressed, uh, inexperienced people. Um, and I, that was kind of like – that kind of like gave us the, the the tension for the film, right? Like these kids who don't know much about sex who would watch a satanic film and think it was pornography um, uh, kind of like uh, – um, are, are the kind of like perfect people to like throw in, in, into this crucible. Uh, I don't know that we had a particular um, – agenda when we did that uh i i I think you know we wanted to address themes of uh repression um and and that sort and you know we tried to do that uh as best we could and uh um you know matt comes from uh oklahoma um where he has a lot of uh family and friends who are are uh extremely religious and he was pretty explicit early on that you know, while we were kind of uh, employing these characters and and, and and giving them this kind of um, backstory, we didn't want to explicitly like dunk on the idea of being religious or 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 kind of like uh or or, or shit on you know shit, shit on the idea of faith. And so, um, you know, I think we tried to walk that line a little bit while still kind of like giving these characters. Who come from a very kind of um, uh, inexperienced background? Uh, arcs in, in, in journeys and a kind of like progression, and and hopefully by the end of the, the end of the film, uh, an under, a new understanding of um, their sexuality and you know and and uh, and their relationship to that.
1: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I feel like the, the context of being in the nineties and they're not mm-hmm. on the internet and access to porn. It, mm-hmm. I, it made it very believable to me that these young people would be transfixed by this and would watch it. And like, I, it was also so believable with the context of there being, you know, some kind of religious factor that determines people's morality. Like, why the hesitance to watch this why they thought they would get in trouble why you know it just like i feel like thinking about i was born in 85 so i didn't Mm -hmm. have a a job till late in high school which at that point was like the year 2000 but Mm -hmm. i when you said you were born in 1980 i thought of um this person I knew growing up who I thought was so fucking cool. Cause she was born. Well, Cause I'm gay and I was gay for her. But back then I was like, <laughs> she's born in 1980. That's so cool. And like, she has a job at um, Walmart and that's just like, so fucking cool. Like she gets to have friends <laughs> outside of here. She gets to like be around people that aren't just church people like the rest of us. Um, and I can totally see like her and other people, her age, who had jobs in the 90s I the kids I knew who got to do that they that's exactly what would have happened like they would have, like some of them would have been really scared some of them would have been really into it but they would have had the access to that and they would have totally fallen for that you know like yeah i that was there was something really pleasant to me about the 90s setting and, like, Encino Man and League of Their Own, and I could just really... And like you said about people hanging out at the movie theater, that's just... Not everyone I grew up with was allowed to go to the movie theater, but um, mm. my mom was a little less... Slightly, slightly less conservative, and I was allowed to go to the movie theater, and... um yeah it just gave me like this very pleasant nostalgia feeling that and all it has a lot of bisexual lighting in the movie I hope that's not <laughs> a spoiler bisexual but, lighting? Bi, li, have you heard people talk about bisexual lighting where it's
2: like no but I'm into this I'm into this idea
1: like a red and blue together you're or like a pink, blue, like a pink oh, blue, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and it's yeah, like, yeah
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We call
1: that bisexual lighting and it's just like amazing it's so pleasant
2: <laughs> <laughs> incredible incredible <sighs>
1: It was really, yeah. I just feel like it was very believable to me that they would watch that if they had the opportunity and that they probably would have a hard time turning it off. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't just like
1: leave and pull out your phone and like pull up someone's OnlyFans. Like you can't just do that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I went to school at UC Santa Cruz um, and uh the the film within the film is based on the uh, you know as best we could manage on the films of uh kenneth anger who was this kind of like Mm. queer sometimes thought of as a satanist uh filmmaker uh and i remember watching those you know i grew up in a a, again like a pretty small town um and you know i watched the movie scorpio rising and i was just like i was like you know, a little bit mind blown again. And I was, you know, when we're thinking about the kind of film these kids would watch and think it was pornography, I definitely like had that feeling when I was watching Kenneth Anger, um, you know, as a, uh, I don't know, I guess late teen or whatever, where I was like, well, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. Uh, I, I, this is a uh, very disorienting and, uh, you know, it, it's like super sexual and, and has like this crazy imagery and, you know, it, it, it uh, is a, you know a very affecting uh kind of thing, so it's it's definitely the th- kind of thing we're getting at
1: yeah definitely
0: and and ne, did this send you back a lot to your small town christian days
1: of course, of course, I was thinking about um whether I would have watched it or not, because mm-hmm. my dumb ass was somebody who was very scared to disobey and to sin. I just thought, well, first of all, I thought God can see, hear everything. So I was like, it doesn't even matter if none of us tell on each other, God already knows. And I was somebody who would just feel massively guilty after I did something wrong like that. And I would feel like unclean and like, Kind of like the rebellion and access to information that I wasn't being given, but ultimately would just be like, you know what, if I just didn't do it, then I wouldn't have to experience this anxiety. And really, I was just like a crazy little trauma kid. So it was very easy to manipulate me into doing (laughs) what you wanted me to do. (laughs) But I think I wouldn't have been able to turn away from it. Um. And I definitely would have got caught up because the sex demon, she was fine as hell. You know, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she really in, was. In, and, in any um,
0: incarnation.
1: Yes, they always are. You know, the sex demons, they're always hot. Like that's just. They're out to get goes. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I Michael mentioned earlier that he wanted me to uh, say that it was a really good use of like a single location for mm. what seems to be a single location. Uh he and I both we were saying it really did feel like the theater was just this huge massive space in the underground um the secret area. I'm a, I'm a sucker for like a secret hidden area or room in a movie and i sometimes have dreams that the homes i'm living in or have lived in also have a secret room we discover later (laughs) so that's i was really what could be more exciting than that it's so fun right definitely so i was really i was was into that for sure
2: well thanks i you know you know part of it was the budgetary limitations of the film and so we are kind of Thinking a lot about like, what's the, you know, what's the, the most we can get out of a single location. Um, and so, yeah, actually we looked at this movie called the autopsy of Jane Doe. Have you guys seen Oh, yeah, oh yeah.
1: yeah. Hell yeah. Uh,
2: and, uh, an amazing film was one I hadn't seen before. We started, um, part of our, our kind of like week long, um, uh, retreat to, to kind of like come up with the outline for, for porno. And, uh, you know, all basically one location and, and so good, right? And I don't think that you would watch our film and think Autopsy of Jane Doe, not in the slightest. Um, But, you know, we looked at that film a lot, both structurally and also kind of like the uses of their space and, you know, how they got a lot of action out of, you know, a limited number of locations.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. I hadn't thought about that when watching Autopsy of Jane Doe, but you're totally spot on with that. Yeah, I can totally see that, and I I hadn't thought about it in your movie either. Michael brought it up, and I think like that's the way to tell if it's done well <laughs> in terms yeah. of like your one location is that I didn't think about it.
2: Yeah, you're using you the know,
1: space. I, I didn't think like, damn, y'all only had this one room to film in. Like I, that that didn't come up. Um, yeah, so, I think yeah, that's you know.
2: Cool. I I credit to our, our DP, but also like um, you know, I shot this uh short film and. And uh, we used a studio set and it it was like, how do you distinguish rooms from one another? And I kind of uh, hit upon this idea of just having all the walls just super different looking. And Mm -hmm. so they were like, every room was painted a different color. And so, um, you know, the theater looks like the theater kind of looks like the theater. And so um, I got together with the DP and we talked a lot about uh, using colored lighting. And so, different spaces have distinct color palettes. Um, and that kind of like gets you away from this idea that you're just in the same space over and over and over again. Um, also, you know, obviously super <laughs> love Suspiria. And so, it, which does an amazing job of using like this kind of like uh, lurid uh, colored lights and, and like and stuff. beautifully but, unmotivated lighting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was just like, you, you kind of watch a spirit and you're like, oh, you're allowed to do anything that you want. You know what I mean? Like, this oh, yeah. movie is uh, insane and beautiful and great, and and um, and uh, we should all learn from that.
0: Yeah, but also I have to say, like, yes, you you did do a great job at differentiating, like, the rooms and creating more space out of the, like, single location that you had. But also it did really... It, it took me back, too, because I did used to work at a, like, single screen theater out here in Long Beach. Oh, um, nice. And it does remind me of just the kind of, you know, even just a building as simple as that, the kind of, like, endless bowels that you get to kind of go into if you do work there and have access to it. Like, there's all kinds of levels and, you know, secret trapdoors and passageways and whatnot. It is, um, like, a really cool space to explore, and you really took, you know, every last drop of that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, it, you know, when you get, get your first job, you're kind of like, all right, well, what is going on behind the scenes here? And then you, you know, you have access to all these spaces where you did not before. And especially if it's a familiar place and it, it is kind of like an amazing feeling to be able to like go behind what's behind this wall. What's what's behind the store and, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, explore those little things. I also worked in a movie theater, but it was in Hawaii. Um, oh, and and. Uh, some of the stuff like, um, you know, kind of like smoking outside in the the trash room or like watching films, uh, after hours with a crazy projectionist, there's stuff that, that, that we did, uh, when we were, when I worked there.
0: Oh yeah. That, that shit happens all the time. Like I, um, we used to do the Rocky horror picture show at the theater where I worked. Oh, amazing! Um, and so that shift, we got out like 2am, 3am, depending on how long the pre-show was. Um, and then sometimes the like the shift leader would just be like, "Oh, do you want to watch? I can put on like a Blu-ray. I've let the right one in, and we can just watch it." And I was like, "You know what? I'm going to go." Yeah. Home, but thank you for your journey. <laughs> <laughs> like, sounds great. <laughs> it's
1: funny because um, when I spoke with Michael earlier, uh, and without any spoilers, um, I think we've kind of discussed how they find things in the theater that they didn't know about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And Michael was kind of like, how did they not – You the, the very first part in this story where they kind of discover that there are unknown things, Michael's mm-hmm. like, how did they not notice that particular thing? You know, it was just like mm. a slight move, and then all of a sudden there's something new. And I was like, Michael, mm-hmm. these are young people at work. They're not doing any extra shit. They're not <laughs> like – you know, they're doing what their boss is telling them to do and not any extra. They're not like cleaning extra stuff. They're not like exploring to be proactive or like take some kind of initiative. And he's like, you know what? You're right.
2: Thank I'm like, you. so Thank maybe, you, for for the film.
1: <laughs> you know, like maybe that is believable that there could be so much hidden because you know, they were, they're like, uh, I don't know if they're union employees, but they were like, I cannot do anything outside of my job description or pay grade. And yeah. <laughs> that is extra.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I think we're about ready to wrap. Uh, we talked about, I think, sorry, um, you know, quarantine brain, everything's melting inside of my body. It's all good. I feel like um, there's a
1: couple things that I w- would discuss if we weren't doing spoilers.
0: Um, um, we can discuss but spoilers. I mean... It, we, we, could, we could put a little, like, tag on right now and be like, well, if you want to talk about spoilers, I can put in the show notes, like, kind of around the time. Like, you can skip, to if you want to skip spoilers.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess this is towards the end of the recording, so hopefully if people have gotten to this point and you don't want spoilers. You can turn it off and wait until after you watch it.
0: Oh wait, um, sorry. I, I have an idea. Yeah. How about we do the end of the episode? We let people know where they can find Kayla on Twitter. We do all that. And then we jump into spoilers and that'll be like the end. So if you don't want those just, okay. you know, after we're done, go away
1: <laughs> for sure. Does cool. that cool. Sound good? Sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so Kayla, where can everybody find you in the movie on you know, Twitter, Instagram, wherever they want to find things.
2: Yeah. Um, we have a, an Instagram for the film. Um, it was hard to find one. It was hard to find one with the word porno in it. Um, so it's <laughs> at Heavy Metal Jeff is uh, oh, our Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then uh, our Twitter is at Porno the Movie. Um, and then, you know, uh, all the kind of like new and, and current stuff with the, the movie uh, is also – Usually tweeted out by uh, the Fangoria Twitter account. Uh, my personal account, which is you know usually just me tweeting links to Morrissey songs or yeah. <laughs> I don't know retweeting uh, skate videos, um, is uh, at Kaeloracela. So if you want to you know listen to that music and, and watch skate videos, definitely follow me on, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where I'm at. Nay, what about you? Where we can find Where can uh, we find you? Can find your- me
1: on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake.
0: And you can nice. find me on. Sorry, what? I just said nice. Oh, okay. Oh, and you can where can we find your art Instagram? Um, yeah, you can find Nay's art Instagram at Gaudy Los Angeles. Um, you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands. You know what? I never give out my Instagram, but I don't know why I decided that. So you can also find me there at The Burning Clem. Um you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod. Join our Facebook group, Attack of the Queer Wolf Peck on Facebook, moderated by uh, BJ Calangelo, who was just on I believe the previous episode two episodes ago. Um and yes, so let's get into spoilers, Nay. What do, what do we want to talk about?
1: I just feel like as a podcast um run by queer people, uh mm-hmm. we have to talk about the queer character in this film. Of
0: course. Yeah. Absolutely. Like
1: like we absolutely have to um and so i guess whenever there are queer characters uh or stories in movies i immediately especially if i'm not quite sure how i feel about the character or like how the character's handled i'm always like well were the writers or the directors also queer right and so i think it's probably kind of rude to be like hey are you gay or not <laughs> so it's like i'm not like i'm not gonna do that to to anyone you know i don't want to make people uncomfortable but that was definitely my question like oh like were there queer writers or like some kind of queer influence on this writing or this directing um be- but also in the movie uh this person gets outed uh yeah. and <laughs> michael michael's like you know nothing happens to the the person who the out- um our our queer beloved and i suppose they do kind of like come back together at the end and maybe there's like some kind of element of forgiveness in there sure but when i first was watching it made me mad and i was like well this is a horror movie so maybe she'll just die <laughs> uh, but um <laughs> yeah I, it was an interesting there was like interesting context when it came to like um i forget the the girl's name who was at summer camp with the other person whose name i've forgotten our queer character um yeah and it's like when yes so when when um the succubus is like impersonating um another gender so that she she can kiss so the sex demon can kiss what was her name again
0: chess chess chastity oh
1: that's right you know what i actually didn't realize her name until one of the final scenes when her name tag was kind of glimmering and you and i was like that is genius i loved like that (laughs) moment of her name showing yes i totally remember that now but you know that moment when um they're like oh you know how did the sex demon get you too and she's like well she was a man and then there's like this pause and i couldn't tell if it was like is this supposed to be funny because this person got played and like she thought it was a woman and then she kissed and it was a man i was like but for me it left me with some kind of like icky um like transphobia vibes and i i was like i i may be reading way too much into this um
2: huh yeah that's i mean obviously that's not the uh in intent i mean i think the the idea was um that uh abe the character who asked you know if it was sexy is this i think it's you know played as a kind of like the stereotypical like you know guys who may be homophobic otherwise are just like (laughs) oh but it's like great to watch two girls kiss Right, you know, um, and it's it's a kind of like send up of, of, of that kind of like stereotypical um, guy thing, um, it, it, and also in answer to your question, um, no, uh, uh, neither I nor uh, Matt or Lawrence are are uh, are queer. So, um, you know, I think we wanted to be very uh, careful about uh, how we handled all that stuff, um, you know uh obviously we didn't want to uh, offend anybody but we also felt like um i think you know in, in part like um growing up when i did it was a i don't know it's it's such a a much bigger deal when i was a kid and there weren't as many out celebrities and, you know, it wasn't spoken of in the same way. And so this idea that somebody you knew um, was gay was a, a kind of like a, um, a, a, a kind of like a revelation. And it wasn't mm-hmm. really until I was in college that um, that kind of thing became normalized for me. And so um, we did want to, Broach that. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, uh, when Chaz outs Ricky, it, it's, it's a, a horrible, horrible thing. And, um, I, you know, obviously you're not meant to be sympathetic with her for, for doing that. It's like a, a kind of like intense betrayal. Um, totally. Uh, it, you know, in the film, we kind of like tried to play it that way. Um, and so yeah
1: um you're so right about like the bro code of like oh it's it's gross when guys are gay but oh two women kissing like that sounds hot i think that was yeah it's like a total hypocrisy yeah (laughs) Yeah. i think that's really realistic because i've totally heard that many times um and also i felt like it was realistic for um when is heavy is that heavy metal jack who experiences that some of that castration and before he gets Mm -hmm. helped he's like wait like is this gonna be weird because you're gay and it's like dude i'm trying to save your life bro like i don't care about (laughs) like your dick right now
0: (laughs) that probably that probably was my favorite line where it's like you know do you think your exploded testicles are gonna turn me on because i'm
2: gay (laughs) right yeah i mean i think that you know while we tried to um uh be uh, respectful of the religious aspects. We did want to kind of show that these were like wildly ignorant, especially, you know, personified by heavy metal Jeff, who was a, a very hardline straight edge guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, he is of course the know-it-all and he knows the least. And so, um, <laughs> you, you know, he is, uh, you know, meant to be this kind of like insanely ignorant person. Um, uh, person in the film and so you know even as this guy's trying to save his life he's you know worried about uh you know him seeing him, him with his pants down
1: i think that would absolutely happen like I, i'm sure that has happened like, oh yeah i well, yeah in, i in, love in i actually love that storyline hmm?
0: <laughs> i was just saying probably in less extreme contexts hopefully
1: Possibly, yeah. but, you know, you never know. I think I love a storyline where someone needs help from someone that they are, like, actively discriminating against, and the person gets right. to choose whether to be gracious or not, and right. either way, there's always, like, some kind of result that feels really good, whether they're like, okay, fine, fuck you, I'm gonna let you bleed out, or if they're like, no, I'm gonna be compassionate and, like, save you. Either way, there's, like, I don't know, there's, like, feelings I like about both. Either way it could go, but... Um, I was like, yeah, some dude would ask that, or say that, or assume that that their shredded a fucking genitals yeah. <laughs> could possibly be a turn on. <laughs> it's like if that's a turn on, that's a whole other kink. Like that's not even about being gay. Like if you, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So,
2: what's funny is we did a screening in um, yeah, uh, at Fantasia in Montreal, and someone was like, you know, their kind of like mantra that these kids have is CBTL. And someone stood up and was like, do you know what CBT is? And, uh, we didn't know. And apparently it stands for cock and ball torture. In the <laughs> air.
1: I was like cognitive the- behavioral therapy. Like what are
2: we- <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I know what CBD is. Oh yeah. CBD. No, definitely. Um, but yeah, so that was a kind of like a really funny moment. Um, cause we just did not know about that. Um,
0: that's the beauty of the language is that, like, sometimes things <laughs> that you aren't intending are still kind of perfect puns, so. Totally. Right, right. Um, but I think that about wraps it up. Renee, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Just
1: so quickly, I also love a scary movie scene that happens in a movie theater bathroom. Like, I just feel, oh, yeah. I felt really, I mean, obviously it made me think of Scream too, but it also made me think uh. of the act.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: And it's not a horror when like, um, I don't like saying that young person's name because I've heard that that um, G word is a slur, but the young person in the act, uh, Mm, Miss Blanchard, uh, Miss Rose, Miss Blank Rose, um, when she meets up with her internet boyfriend in the bathroom and they fuck. (laughs) It's like so uncomfortable. Love it. (laughs) Love it. But that's it.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, Kaola. This was really f- a really fun movie to watch and especially fun to talk about. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad it worked out.
0: Yes. And until next time, bye. <laughs> bye.
1: <laughs>
0: bye. Attack of the Queer Wolf is a member of the Fangoria Podcast Network. Hosted and produced by Brennan Klein, Michael Kennedy, and Renee Beaver. Sound recording, mixing, and editing by Ernie Hurtado, Recorded at Rebel Talk Network in Los Angeles. Music by Von Kiss. Logo art and design by John Holland. For Fangoria, Dallas Sanye, Phil Nobile Jr., Jessica Safavimir, Brandon Wynerti, Natasha Pacetta, and Rob Galuzzo.